Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me is my co-host, John Gillen. That's John, me. it's very early where you are. It, well, it's relatively early. It's not very early. I got up at 5.30. Well, I set my That's alarm early. at 5.30. That's early. I rolled around in bed until about 6 a.m., so... That's that's okay. Just getting your, getting your roll on. Fair play, on a roll. Um, yes, it is currently it's Saturday, uh, um, where I am and where you are as well. It's it's one p.m. We don't we don't normally do this on a Saturday, but John wanted to hear me defend Slipknot so much that he was like, "Let's do it on a weekend." So here we are. That is what our episode is. Yes, that is what our episode is about. You've probably seen it in the title. Um, so yes, because we are going to basically, people are new to the show. Welcome. Every now and again, we mostly this show is about guitar and like we'll interview people. But every now and again, we'll have a segment that we like to call "You Hate It, But." And, so, and we've done it before <laughs> with bands like the AAS and Motley Crue. Uh, each of us will take a turn. John, who was your last band that you defended? I think it was. It might have been the Police. Oh yes. Oh yeah. We we talked about that, um, which I which I really enjoyed, and I think people did as well. So uh, it is my turn to defend one of my favorite bands uh, in this fun-filled episode on the Iowa new metal band. We'll talk about the new metal tag shortly. Uh, Slipknot. So let's just okay. dive in. So first, I, I'm going to say like you you won me on the yeah yeah yes. Um, I don't I don't think it's going to happen on this one, man. No, I just I, don't. I just so, don't. <laughs> Especially not at 6 a.m. No, that's fair. That is a fair thing. And I doubt, you know, all three of our listeners will, will be, you know, have their minds changed by the end. But what I want to do is not make that you depends. like them. Is, is, is Maddie already a fan? Maddie and the two others. Um, so <laughs> Maddie and my granny. Um, so, so Maddie is already a fan and your, your mom and your granny are not. Is that, is that what I'm hearing here? Yeah, essentially, yeah. I've, I've slept not yet. Okay. That's, that's basically it. it. Um, hello, Maddie. Uh, so, okay. So uh, basically, I've got a short kind of thesis here, and I've got a bunch of clips that we're going to play, and I'm going to defend it. And by the end of this, you will respect this band. That is my goal. If not, by Jove, you will. Um, yes, I'm pointing at, at, at the camera, which people can't see. So, uh, well, let's start it off with you, John. When you think of this band or even coming from a guitar teaching point of view or even as just a regular music fan point of view what do you think of and give me your thoughts initial thoughts when you hear yeah. the name i think of dropsy tunings unwashed metal hair and hockey masks oh john okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of a short background on the band. So, Slipknot is a band of nine, nine people um, from Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, well, originally all from Des Moines, Iowa. There has been some lineup changes, but uh, they've more or less kept the same lineup for, since they first released their album in 1999. The band has, their earliest incarnation of the band has been around since 1995. And I was looking wow. at these guys and I was like, wow, some of these members are basically like my dad's age. Um, you know, like... 50 wow. or like yeah which is impressive one of the reasons why we're doing this right now actually by the way is because Slipknot are playing in Ireland next week and I am going to see them uh, for the second time this is my second time I'm going to see them uh, I've been a fan since I want to say 2001 so just after they released Iowa uh, so yeah I've been a fan for quite a while uh, you know I wouldn't tell it to everyone I wouldn't broadcast it I wouldn't wear the t-shirts because that whole look was just not me um, I was more <laughs> of a grungy teen with unwashed hair so yeah so basically one of the things that really drew me to this band was angry teen 
at the time, very, very much an angry teen. But also, uh, so the first, my introduction to this band was a friend of mine had bought the single on CD, Wait and Bleed, and he uh, basically contained a footage of them performing at Woodstock, which included them like like throwing each other over big kegs and, you know, all headbanging at the same time and spraying the crowd with a big hose. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Literally watched the clip four or five. It was just so exciting to someone like that age. And I was just like, I have no idea what this guy is saying. I don't know why he's screaming. I don't get the mass, but I was fascinated by what the hell this was. And I was not alone. This band was like on the cover of Kerrang! magazine, like so many times, Metal Hammer. They were on Kerrang! on rotation. Uh, they had videos that you could only watch after 9 p.m. because they were too explicit or too hot for TV. It was this big thing. It was like, holy crap. And this was, we're going to, you know, use the new metal term. It, this was the era of new metal, uh, which is like, uh, you know, everybody's just like, it's a big. Grimace sigh collective like oh god was that really did that really happen and basically they kind of were able to outlast or outgrow that label none of the bands at that time wanted to be new metal all of the bands wanted to do something different kind of inspired by Rage Against the Machine but everybody around that time hated that that term when you think of new metal John what do you think apart from the, the um, I think of bad i think of limp biscuit i think of rich white yes. boys complaining about how how their life how terrible life is so they're going to break stuff yes like okay good <laughs> and wearing pants that aren't quite pants but not quite shorts they're that three-quarter length in the middle and um, the baseball cap is sort of backwards with the flat brim and the chain thing. Yeah. yes and, yeah, that's... and baggy pants and jumping up and down and, and parental advisory explicit content stickers yes and yes. again and, and then seven strings with unless you're corn i mean to be fair corn is new metal corn is not limp biscuits i'm I, i'm willing to give corn more respect than limp biscuits okay, i will never respect limp biscuit no okay that's fair so the, the the two other bands that i was going to compare them to at this era the three the big three were essentially corn limp Bizkit, and slipknot but if you have a look at the trajectory of these bands over the last 20 years because you know that's basically how long they've been around mm -hmm. uh things have changed like corn did get there first that first album came out like mid 90s but in terms of longevity corn have fallen off limp mm -hmm. Bizkit have completely fallen off slipknot got five stars in the observer magazine last year with their album release i mean this is like a band right. that has continued to grow and change and morph and adapt and have you know are essentially playing their music the, the music still sounds fairly similar in terms of like the bare bones approach the structure but it's all evolved to this point where they are stronger than ever before the band has sold 30 million albums Sure. Which is like, yeah. <laughs> I meant that as like a term that you might be impressed by, but clearly not. That was quite the shudder. <laughs> They've embraced their fans. They have music festivals, not fests, all over the world. They wow. like, and let's not compare them to Insane Clown Posse here, because Slipknot are basically kind of taking aspects of what they like about fan culture and are kind of embracing it and giving their fans an outlet, whether it is you know, have, have a full Mexican three-day festival in the heart of Mexico City, or get this, 
I Slipknot Cruise, which starts in no. next year. This year, oh yeah. my god! Just off the course of Barcelona. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. Any band that is doing their own cruise, I I just can't have respect for them anymore. That puts them in take, the same category as Joe Bonamassa and That's, Kid Rock. And oh gosh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah so they basically embrace their fans they uh they engage very heavily with their fans they have six of the original members since 1999 which is like you know fairly impressive they're you know had one of their uh, their bass player paul gray passed away um their drummer was joey jordison who is i think like one of the strongest members of the group musically anyway an amazing drummer um very very influential uh, to so many people, uh, he was fired essentially, and there have been rumors of why. And it turns out that he basically had a form of MS, couldn't really play, mm. and the band were just looking to continue, and he couldn't contribute, so they parted ways. And Chris Fenn, who is one of the percussionists, because there are two percussionists in this band who hit beer kegs with baseball oh bats. God. Okay, so I'm gonna go through the lineup. Oh I'm not gonna, my gosh! I'm say, so, so hitting beer kegs with baseball bats—that's yes, your, that is your job. Your that jo- is your job. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's and let's let's all be ready to admit that hitting beer kegs with baseball bats is a dream around game. the world, and getting paid to do it, and travel expenses are taken care of. Like I, yeah. I feel like there are worse things you could be doing. That's true. Yes, I, I, yeah. I feel that way as well. So I'm just going to go through like the, the, the structure because you're like, how does this band have nine members? Like, what is this? Some kind of like scary polyphonic spree? No, this is, you know, this, this is something completely different. So we got two guitar players, a bass player, a drummer, two percussionists, a vocalist. And you're like, what are the other two people doing? So you have a turntable player, Sid Wilson, and you also, player, I don't know what to say there, and you also have Craig, who is in charge of the sampling, because sampling is a really, really big part, Mm -hmm. going to turn off my Facebook, Um, uh, a really, really big part of their thing, because throughout all their music, they inject samples from old horror movies, they have samples from Scarface, they have, like, basically put it in, just kind of make it a bit more interesting, it was one of these things that really separated them from, you know, what other bands are doing, just the chugging riffs all the time so we're going to get into it and we're going to listen to some clips to defend my thesis so the first clip uh, is going to be the wait and bleed chorus which you should have there okay all these songs like the first album is all very much songs that are just under the four minute mark um and they just, yeah, basically they're kind of like pop song structures which i kind of like and that's that's cha- that hasn't really changed over the years so um, whenever you're ready, we can dissect okay. what you're about to listen let's, to. Let's hear. Let's let's hear it. Okay. Um. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this. Oh, is okay. Right. So so I am gonna say this has much more of that kind of like early 2000s and and i hesitate to call it new metal because it's it's it has much more of kind of like i don't know that alter bridge sound oh, to oh, it that's not that's not bring alter bridge in. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, go go on uh well I, I mean it's you know it's it's not it's kind of more those a, a little more like uh, it, more traditional metal vibe to it, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, or maybe maybe something that's more akin to like Mastodon. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Well. Well. Okay. Well. We'll dissect that a little. We, bit. we, we so, can yeah. build on that. We can build on that. Yeah. No. I, I. I enjoy that. So first of all, the first thing you notice is the drums. The drums are not doing like they're doing like uh, just he's doing like tom fills while playing the riff it's like and he's it's really really interesting and he's got the double kick is like on fire what the guitars are doing is really interesting because if you see the song written down it is you know it is drop tuned guitars but it's playing arpeggios all the way through it's like this really weird jilting nothing really stays the right amount of time where it's where it should in terms of where the guitar is playing it's really really interesting and then you've got this like it, but it's it's in four four like it's it's a, mm-hmm. kind of a straightforward rhythm and it's a very kind of catchy chorus and this is what kind of brings me to the whole thing is that choruses are a big part of this band they write choruses that you know bands can that fans can sing along to live and that is a big thing they always use with big like you know either vocal motifs or like a call and response thing. And this is something that bands have been doing for, you know, forever. Like it's, it's how you two got big, you know, cause you, you, yeah. you introduce these big sing along choruses that are mostly just like big vowel sounds. And it's something that the crowd can sing back. And it's something that, you know, kind of everyone can really enjoy. And you know, the lyrics are very inspired by like, you know, the world, might not be the best place so let's all sing about it but you know this is this is kind of how i'm going to represent it it's, it's all done in a very catchy way which brings me to the duality chorus so if you could open that we'll have a we'll have a quick listen. oh okay let's let's do the thing chugging drums but you've also got it's like this big so it's it's kind of this big tension release it's like this like lift, you know pulling the, uh, uh, the letting the balloon pop and it's all just like builds and explodes and it's all really kind of triumphant and it's just this i don't know i really really appreciate that about this band there's a lot of like tension and release and it's not like a loud quiet loud mm-hmm. grunge thing it's all much more complex than that in my opinion what do you think um, I'm, I, I think I get the, I get the sense of, of where you're going with it. Like there's, <laughs> there's this build into the chorus, yes. you know, we, we get just a little bit of this clip as, as it builds into that chorus. Um, yeah. and then at the end of the chorus at the end, or at least at the end of the clip that you've got there, we've got this kind of, we're jumping back into this like speed yeah. kind of almost, almost thrash metal style riff. It's almost this kind of lamb of God type riff. It's just on a seven string or it's tuned down to C or whatever it is. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Okay. We're, we're getting somewhere here. That's, that's great. And you've also got like the, you know, in this song, Rick Beato, uh, godfather of breaking down why music is good mm-hmm. uh, has a really really good video on this song where he just talks about all the layers and what every instrument is doing and how they all work together really really well one thing i really like about the song it's something really small but it's something that slipknot are really good at uh, is they their pinch harmonics rock and the fact that they have two guitar players they will often harmonize the pinch harmonics and you'll just get that kind of squeal that is very like zach wildean but also like it's, mm-hmm. it's two at the same time they'll build it into their riffs so that you know you have to I don't know. It's something that they've really developed over the years and it's a real kind of part of their sound. Um, cool. So we'll go on to the guitar proficiency here. So 
Um, Mick Thompson and Jim Root are the two guitar players for this band. Uh, Mick Thompson was a guitar teacher in Iowa for years before joining Slipknot and uh, is a big Shred fan. But this is the era of new metal and you, you gotta really, chug. <laughs> you gotta chug. You, you gotta chug. You gotta, you know, one finger drop D, you know, something you can bang your head to. Um, so over the years, this has they basically broken out of the shell. So basically, I'm going to show you how they combine their, you know, this whole pinch harmonic sound in the duality chugging riff. We're going to stick on this song for, for, for just a sec. So if you want to hit the duality chugging okay, riff. Okay, here we go. Okay, okay. You're, you're snickering over here. I, so, I'm, snicker, I'm snickering at your um, bewildered facial expression. Okay, <laughs> so so but here here we go. Here we go. Let's. Um, what year is this? So this this is from the band's. Let me just check now. Uh, so this is off the band's third album, which I'm, I'm going to talk about like where things kind of changed here. But this is off their third album, Volume Three, The Subliminal Verses, which came out in 2004. Okay. Okay, so 2004. Yeah. This would have been right around the time of Meshuggah's kind of rise mm. to prominence. Yes. Um, and I don't know what their uh, what what the cross pollination would look like here, mm. but this is very much kind of now and, and Meshuggah has been around for a very long time. They've been around since 1987. Yes. But it's kind of in the early two thousands where they're getting more well-known and their palm muted, um, odd timed. Well, most of their stuff is actually in four, four, but they have this kind of weird, yes. um, What's what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Not synchronization, but um, subdivisions. You know, they're they're odd time subdivisions and stuff, where they're playing playing these riffs. It's this sounds very similar. This sounds kind of like Mushuga from about the same time period, sort of proto gent. Okay. And as as you know, I I even did my thesis on gent. Yes, you did. So. <laughs> because <laughs> academia yeah okay but but yeah so, so this is interesting and um I'm, I'm gonna have to say like there's there's some stuff that you can kind of hear there and and is the godfather of a lot of stuff that's coming out right now in in metal yes 100%. Um, I totally can see where you're coming from. I'm, I haven't listened to that much Meshuggah. I know that the band are big fans, like Mick Thompson is a big Meshuggah fan. Um, what I really like about this riff is it's essentially one note. It's that thing that one note used well and slightly built on, but also kind of, there's a bit of restraint there locking in with the drums. Um, and that's something that Pantera have done. It's something that, you know, the right note being used at the same time is something that you know, Black Sabbath have done. It's mm. it's just this real focusing on the groove and just kind of done it in a real where timing and holding back and pushing at the same time is really 
shown, which I really like about this 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 particular riff. And it's like pop, probably their most, I think it's their most listened to song on, on Spotify. I'll have to just double check that. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's so we'll, we'll get into where the guitar gets a little bit more proficient. So in the first two albums, do you know who Ross Robinson is? No, I don't. All right, so Ross Robinson is uh, a record producer. Uh, basically, he he made Korn's first album in 1994. He oh, essentially okay. started all of this. Uh, so what he did was he essentially, when he was recording bands like Korn and Slipknot at the time, he was like, the guitar solo is dead. Like, there is no guitar solos. Mm-hmm. Um, everything has to be about the groove, has to be about that kind of, you know, uh, it's almost like that slow groove thing that Rage Against the Machine did really well. So yeah. essentially he told Jim and Mick no solos. There was no solo reel in the studio, even though they were very good, proficient players who were like big slayer heads. Um so oh, yes, really? duality That's duality. Yeah, so that so basically they wanted to do it but there was no room. And essentially when you're playing in a room with nine musicians putting in a guitar solo, it's not really gonna work. It's it's mm. it kind of throws everything off balance. Enter Rick Rubin, who apparently with Slipknot was a bit hands-off, but he produced this album, the, the third album, which is my, my personal favorite, um, and was like, yeah, just do what you want. If you're really good at guitar playing, then play you know, really fast guitar parts. Which brings us to the Blister Exists riff, which I have included there. Um, and this is essentially, this is, uh, this is the verse melody. This is what the guitar is playing under the vocals. And there is a part where the drums cut out and you can just hear the vocals and the guitar playing at the same time. And it's just, it's, it, I find it really impressive. Interesting. All right, go so, on. This is a big part of what they do. <laughs> You're like, it's like me explaining like something I've done wrong to my father. Um, <laughs> continue. Uh, so... I was looking through clips of, of basically how they're warming up. Uh, basically, Jim and Mick have done a lot of guitar lessons for over the years for different magazines. And I found them, a clip of them playing that. I was like, whoa, that is like spread out across the six strings. Like it's, it, I find it, and it's just one guitar doing it. It's, it's, I find it really, really cool. Tremolo guitar picking is a big part of what they do. Yes. Um, I, it's, it's just a really big thing, but it's really controlled. It's not, it's like, it's, it's a big part of it. it's how do I phrase this they will play these ultra fast tremolo picked really precise lines um, and mix them with the big chuggy riffs which I think not a lot of bands at this time did it was you know bands would use like whammy pedals or they'd use um, like pinch harmonics or something like that or like effects that would fill out the rest of the chugginess while Slipknot would combine technical proficiency with you know the actual groove of the song um so essentially they have a song on their third album called pulse of the maggots maggots is the the term mm-hmm. of endearment they use for their for their fans and rick rubin was in the studio and i was like do you guys want to put a solo here and they've never released a recorded as a guitar solo as a band ever um, and he's like they're basically saying oh a solo what's that and he's like just put something like slayer would do if slayer would write something for a song put that in so this comes up with the pulse of the maggot solo it is all over the place but it really shows that these guys can play so if you want to have a have a listen
Huh. Okay. Yeah. So here's, th- this is interesting. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. So the blister exists verse riff um, that you had me listen to first and now this okay. one. So, but there's a lot of thrash metal in this really. Like yes. you, you go back and, and that blister exists is very much that has a, a real like Slayer vibe to yeah. it. Um, and then this, as far as the solo goes, has a real like Lamb of God solo vibe yeah. to it. So this is this is interesting. Okay, okay, intriguing. <laughs> okay, so my the next chapter of my thesis is essentially on bridge sections. Now, bridge sections in a new metal sphere is very much like a it's it's the part where everybody jumps or everybody just like head bangs or something like that. Uh, it's 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 the part where it's just like okay we need to put in something here, you know. It's 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 usually just like a big chug for the mosh pit to go insane. Um, and I feel that Slipknot will take a small idea and they will build on it uh, very much for like it, w- it will grow and grow throughout the bridge section. Um, so. It, very much from a groove-based perspective, like a Pantera song. So if you want to have a listen to the Eyeless clip that we have there, this is off their first album. And I remember hearing this and just being like, what is this? It's essentially like one note, but it just works so well because it locks in with the drums. So have a listen. Popping your head there. I saw Bob, it. Oh, you saw it. Oh, no. That's right. Yes, it's it's very, um, you. like you said, something about a, uh, a groove, the, the groove to it. But it, it is also very, um, it, it's kind of like a breakdown, but it's not a breakdown. I don't know exactly. how else to put it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it layers, it builds. Um, so I was going to show you one clip, but I just want to move on to my case study. So basically, I have... Through listening through so much Slipknot and pissing off all my coworkers for the last week, I've essentially come up with Psychosocial is the best Slipknot song. Maybe it's not like my favorite one, but I think in terms of what they are good at, it mm-hmm. encapsulates everything. So I've got three clips for you here. I've got the intro, which shows like the the chugging riffs and how it really, really works and with the tremolo picking or the really fast alternate picking. I've got a breakdown and I've got the solo. And essentially, this is what I feel is so good about Slipknot encapsulated in one song. And so we'll start with the intro. Oh, this is my case okay. study. Here we go. Intro. It's really a song that they're known for. Yes. Like if I could have picked one Slipknot song, it probably would have been this. Cool. So again, like a lot of thrash metal elements here. Yeah, you've got the double kick, you've got the alternate picking, you've got the um, I don't know the pinch harmonics. There's there's mm. a lot of facets here, but I think it all comes together uh, really well. I think it's 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 as far as like a good metal riff goes, 
in terms of like good metal riffs that have come over the past 20 years, I think it's definitely one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. um, moving on to the breakdown. So Slipknot are really well known for, for their stage shows their two percussionists will come out with marching band drums and play stuff during the breakdown. And this breakdown in Psychosocial is basically taking one drum motif and building on it. Um, They also have it in their song, The Blister Exists, but that's like two minutes long of a bridge section. So we'll just, we'll skip over that. So if you want to listen to the Psychosocial breakdown, we can talk a little bit about it. Okay, so you've got well, you've what have you got going on here? You've got like one big riff, the bum bum, like I, the fact that it just takes that one kind of drum beat mm-hmm. and then just builds on it, and it's just it's just this real kind of evolution. It's the sound of musicians that have been playing together for a really long time coming together and just like what do we do really well and just like knowing how to work with each other and to how to essentially the drum will play this motif and then the guitar will play over it in a way that accents it but mm. also like fills it out the parts that aren't you aren't hearing it's kind of like almost like a tribal thing where you've got four or five different drums all doing completely different rhythms almost polyrhythmically um but maybe that's the mashuga influence again I'm not too sure. Um, I know it's like you've got the double kick and you've got the snares and you've got the the, the chugging riff, but I think it works really, really well. Um, and moving on to the solo, which I feel is one of possibly my favorite Slipknot solo section. Um, there have been more and more over the last few years, but unfortunately none on the last album, which I was a bit disappointed to hear. But if you want to have a listen to this, I feel this is a really good guitar solo because you've got two guitar players kind of playing off each other and uh, coming up with really, really fast riffs and little motifs. So if you want to have a have a list. Yeah, again, like a lot of thrash elements. You've got the harmonies like Maiden and Yeah, interesting. Okay. Okay, so I think it's really cool uh, guitar solo. I think that you know you've got the two players who each have their own kind of different styles. If you listen to it a few times, you can kind of pick out what the feel of each player is. What Mick is very much like lightning fast arpeggios, while Jim will play these great alternate picking riffs, but at the same time have these hummable sections as well so um i I feel that it works really well as a solo so yeah psychosocial probably the best encapsulation of all that stuff that is um to conclude my my ted talk on on why slipknot (laughs) demand more respect so i follow john five 
on Instagram. I'm a I'm a big fan yeah. of him and his and his playing and his just whole like his approach to performing um it's kind of wacky and zany um john five has a second instagram channel uh called i think it's knights of the satanic army where he just displays all of his kiss merchandise and <laughs> it is like he is like a super collector like a super fan and i'm really interested in the cult of personality that kiss have built for themselves it's just you know it's that amazing quote most bands want to be the beatles but kiss want to be coca cola and um, they are this really That's so weird. but yeah it's it's so true though it's like this yes. you know it's this identifiable thing that is like oh we're we're dangerous and we're like you know obsessed with sex and partying even though none of us drink except for race and possibly Peter Adman. Um, so, it, but I'm like, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why people like Kiss the way they do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's lame and it's it's kind of like it's it's very repetitive. But when people ask me why I like Slipknot, I'm like, I can't explain it. I, it's just something that hit me at the right time. And like, if they are playing in Ireland, you know that I'm getting up. Early as as early as possible to get tickets to go. Like it's something that I'm I'm going to do. It's something that I've considered traveling to other countries to see. It's like like I've bought every album. I've you know listened to like you know gone on forums and joined subreddits and like it's, I don't know. It's just something that I find for me. And it's just I think it's one of those bands that you can't really explain it. Like I you know I've never worn mascara or had the spikes or anything. I don't fit the archetypal fan. But something about the music just really clicked with me at the right, right age. And it's just, I don't know. Friends, if anybody is interested in like, where do I start? I would say go with maybe the third album because it's where they really kind of came into their own and developed their sound. And it's not as angry or as new metal-y as their previous releases. So that's kind of what I'd um, say to conclude. Um, that's right. I compared them to Kiss. I'm going to hell. Um, so from your feedback, I haven't convinced you. Um, but God damn it, I tried. <laughs> well, I, here's, I don't think I'm going to probably go, learned a lot. I probably, yeah, totally I, I'm not sure I'm going to go and intentionally put a whole bunch of, uh, slipknot on my playlists. That said, I think there's, there's, I realize there's probably more to slipknot than I would have given them, given them credit for. So Huzzah. I would say in, in your efforts to convince me that, uh, they deserve respect. I think. I think you won on that side. Am I? Am I going to go back and listen to him a whole bunch? Probably not, but maybe more than I would have. So good. Okay. Good. So there we go. I need a cigarette or something. I need yeah, smoke, it's, but I, I, it's, it's not. Not, like not a songs, total loss, but no, yeah. picking songs and picking motifs and picking things that I felt would try and sway you. Um, it was an exhaustive uh, so process. My, my takeaway on all of this is Great. one, their influence. Um, I, I think you can hear a lot of their influence on stuff that has come after them. So mm-hmm. psychosocial, for example, came out in 2008 um yes. which believe it or not was a long time ago that was 12 years ago holy cow mm. but you think about the stuff that has come out since then and the influence that the band has had uh sonically as well as kind of they they to me act as sort of a bridge from that thrash stuff mm. as i said before you know some of those other licks the uh the, the blister 
What, what's it called? Yeah. The blister exists. Um, that verse riff that you had there, that's very Slayer oriented. You've got yeah. Lamb of God influenced solos and, and that, uh, you know, the, like you said, the fast alternate, alternate picking or the tremolo picking on the lower strings. Um, a lot of that stuff is very Lamb of God-esque, depending on, obviously, depending on the album from them. But it, so I think it's interesting. They kind of act as this bridge between what happens um, in thrash metal in the 80s and into the 90s, and then this connection into what has happened since then. And, you know, it's strange. A, a band like Meshuggah, who has spanned that entire time period, Mm. oddly enough, uh, is really known for a lot of their chugging riffs and their kind of genty sound. But I think Slipknot as well functions as one of those historical connecting points. This is this is what has brought metal through the rest of new metal. As you said, so many of these other bands kind of fell off. They never really found, they never developed anything yeah. unique. They They didn't have a connection to the past as well as something that's looking forward and because i mean who really listened to corn after follow the leader yeah and yeah. <laughs> I, I dare <laughs> Collective you to silence yeah name two songs from limp biscuit or um i'm trying to think of any other new metal band off the top of my head and i simply cannot yeah so you know, when, when you're looking at these things, I, I think it's interesting the the influence that they have had as well as the, um, you're right, their continued development as a band, which I think is, is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I think there's something to be said for them. That's for sure. Great. Good. Okay. I appreciate your feedback. John, what have you been working on? <laughs> what have I been working on? So interestingly enough, um, I've, I've kind of been diving back into some of Troy Grady's videos. So, okay, yes. Yeah, so one of I. our earliest guests on this show. But, um, and he continues to do great work. Uh, we recently did an interview with Levi Clay. That'll be out soon. And um, we, we actually talked a fair bit about the stuff that, uh, well, we mentioned him in passing, um, but there's, he has a few videos where he discusses Troy's uh, picking analysis on everything. That's, that's really, so for those of you who don't know, go back and listen to the Troy Grady episode. It's fantastic. Troy Grady is an excellent educator and the work that he has done on right-hand technique is seminal. Um, I, I don't think anybody else has broken down picking technique into so much detail and it really helped me <clears throat> and consequently it's helped a lot of my students. So I definitely recommend checking it out, subscribing, purchasing any of the material that he's got because it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so that, that no, doesn't that doesn't quite answer your question. But no, it, it does. It's, okay. it's, it's, it, it, it totally does in terms of like, because, yeah, I think for me as well, YouTube has been you know, really good for learning a lot. Even if it, I'm not playing, I can still learn a lot about what's, you know, mm -hmm. how to get better without actually playing, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is actually kind of my answer as well. So Berndt, um has this. So we all know the spider exercise, the one, two, three, yeah, four. Of right but burns made a video on it and 
he was basically talking about, I think it was like two exercises to improve your picking. And he, like, I've learned the spider exercise since I saw it, like, in, like, this Steve Vai interview years ago. But one thing I didn't know about it that Bernd highlighted in his video is that you don't move your fingers until they are needed on the next string. You should, like, keep it mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, and keep your second, third, and fourth finger as you're moving your index. And then when your index is on the string, hit the note. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard to explain. But I was like, oh, right. I thought it was something that you just like you just do one two three four and then take all your all of your fingers off and then do one two three four i was like oh my mm. god this is so much more difficult <laughs> when and i'm like i could i could feel it i could feel it. he's like just do it for five minutes a day where you keep your fingers like on string until they're ready to move to the next string and my it, it blew my mind <laughs> i just had no <laughs> idea um so that's so, so wait I, so so you do the one two three four you move the first finger while holding the other three down now do you move the second finger while holding the other two down yes okay yes yeah, yeah yeah so this is one that i do with my students too i had no idea that was the point and it makes so much sense now because it forces you to think also it works on your angling and um, mm -hmm. it works like on your placement and it makes sure that you're like getting a lot of clarity in the note and it is hard starting off when you're you know just doing that yeah even... so so do this one super slow like yeah. the uh the spider exercise can be used for a lot of different things whether it's accuracy speed left hand and right hand coordination right hand speed etc so I've, I've i have a whole series of exercises that i do with students to to use that particular exercise in a bunch of different ways but awesome. this um yeah the one you're talking about the whole point of that is like go super slow move yeah. one finger at a time be really intentional about looking at your finger and just being like i'm moving you now and then you move it and and like you said placement note clarity you know uh proximity to the fret without being on top of the fret all those things like it's it's a fascinating exercise i learned it from one of my teachers dave beagle who probably the greatest guitarist you've never heard of but yes. <laughs> he uh, he just like whipped me over and under on that one. It was just like, nope, that note sounds bad. Go back, yeah. do it again. Because yeah. it's so it very much exposes, uh, you know, just your like. Oh wait, <laughs> I'm I'm doing this completely wrong. Uh, your shortcomings. Anyway, that's what I've been working on. Um, yeah, no let's kidding. round it. Let's round out this hour with uh, John. What have you been listening to? My answer is Slipknot and nothing but Slipknot. So. <laughs> Lots of shut up. And so that's it. You have nothing else to speak upon. Um, um, no, no, sorry. Not yeah. Sorry. So I've been um, kind of. Oof, I I don't know. Obviously, there was there was a lot of Christmas music in, <laughs> in the recent past as well. So it's it's been a while since we've recorded a full on episode. But um, yeah, actually, again, it's it's been kind of more. I've I've been really digging gypsy jazz stuff. So I've got yeah. Who was that I, guy you were telling me about? Uh, another, which one? The Rosenbergs. There was I don't another remember. guitar player you told me about recently. Um, anyway, well, yes. Well, so anyway, yes. Um, I would say there's there's been several gypsy jazz um, playlists that I've been camping out on on Spotify. So there's, uh, let's see, who's, who's a few that I can give you here. There's Angelo DeBar. Um, I don't know if that was one of the ones that I That's mentioned. That's the guy. Okay, That's of the course, guy, yeah. the Rosenberg Trio, Stocello Rosenberg. Um, 
yeah, the Jimmy Rosenberg. I had a student who was working on a Jimmy Rosenberg tune. So, um, yeah, there's there's just there's a lot of people out there. Uh, Dordaro Schmidt. Um, also, he's uh, Dordaro was a relatively well known um, player. He's kind of uh, the Rosenbergs are more contemporary. Uh, there's also come on, brain. No, I don't remember their name. Um, <laughs> yeah, bear with me. I've got to look this up. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. Oh, well. So. He <laughs> tried. Yep, yep. At any rate. So uh, just, just a, lot of, a lot of those things. Cool. That sounds that sounds good. Well, that's our episode. Sorry about all the Slipknot. Sorry about starting your Saturday. I've literally watched it go from nighttime to daytime behind <laughs> right. you. you uh, <laughs> there's there's the sunrise. What it's, year it's like, is this? It's even even pink over there. You can't quite tell with this camera, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We made it to the day through Slipknot. Um, that's us for this episode. Uh, Dave Hanready, if you're listening. Uh, I told you I'd do a Slipknot episode. And yeah, let's uh, let's call it a day at that. Everybody, next episode we'll be doing some more guitar-based stuff. Thank you for putting up with us. Uh, stay sharp, everybody. <laughs>